welcome to the Women in Foreign Policy podcast. This month we're doing a bit of a crossover with the print edition. By now we've all heard about the initial stages of the COVID vaccine distribution effort, so we thought it would be a good time to review some conversations on global public health. We'll be hearing the audio version of a few different print interviews with various women working in different public health organizations. This episode, you'll hear from Dr. Maria Naira, interviewed by Martha Bowler. Dr. Naira is director of the World Health Organization's Department of Public Health and Environment. We're very glad to have this audio to share with you, and thanks to Martha for conducting this interview. You're the director of Public Health, Environmental and Social Determinants of Health um, Department at the WHO. Uh, What made you realize that you wanted to specialize in global health rather than a mainstream medical career? I started as a, with a medical career. I started with a very clinical work at the hospital in Paris, and then uh, and then my life changed after my specialization on endocrinology when I went to a refugee camp with uh, Doctors Without Borders, and then I started to do clinical work treating patients, and then realizing that uh, treating an asthma case. Mm-hmm. Uh, once a week without understanding why the child was having asthma and understanding the conditions in which he was living and my real training on public health was on a, on a refugee camp when I realized that uh, you need to understand the causes of the diseases if you really want to have an impact on people's health. Mm-hmm. So while working in the field in a refugee camp as part of um, MSF, so an international organization. Um, how were you received by the population? Do you think they were accommodating or...? Well, my experience is so rewarding mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, I was very young, but uh, I was full of energy and passion and commitment. Obviously, I was terrified by the responsibility, (laughs) and I I was permanently consulting my books and asking other colleagues, and uh, I think I was on a permanent state of um, kind of, not stress, but definitely worried about the the, 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 the the fact that a lot of people was depending on me as the only doctor at that time mm-hmm. and um, you know that makes you humble as well because you realize that you need to do almost everything from mm-hmm. surgery to delivering yeah. things for which you are not maybe very well prepared mm-hmm. as a foreign doctors you are very specialized but you you don't have that training so it has been a very rewarding experience and then people is so i mean in the refugee camps they were so affectionate with mm-hmm. me anything you were doing for them it was an incredible contribution to their life sometimes you realize that you are even changing the the, the life of one person because you correct a medical problem that before, because they didn't have a foreign assistance, nobody was able to offer them a proper treatment or, or the, the, the type of uh, facilities that we had at that time. So it was very rewarding. Little by little, mm-hmm. I started to work not only with the refugee camp, but the, the population of the, the local people that was living there, they were queuing in front of our house. <laughs> nice. 
to get treatment and yeah. then you start to get involved on nutritional programs then yeah. you you obviously you organize vaccination and sanitation and water so you you little by little understand the whole purpose of the humanitarian assistance and then you work with the government trying to help them as well to things differently and stopping corruption and I mean there are so many aspects of uh, my life there and then I moved to Africa and that mm -hmm. was very rewarding as well so it was really I was for four, five years in Africa in very difficult war situations mm -hmm. where obviously you learn uh, a lot in all sense even things that you never wanted to learn yeah. like cruelty or you know lack mm -hmm. of humanity and and, and, and the, the fact that we can be terrible as well as human beings, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. In Africa, you were working with the Minister of Health in Mozambique, was that correct? Yes, yeah. yes, I was working with the Ministry of Health in Mozambique, working with the Italian cooperation. Oh, nice. I ended up working with the Italian cooperation. <laughs> and it was really very rewarding as well. Unfortunately, it was the time of um, HIV AIDS, mm -hmm. uh, big uh, recognition of the problem. So. I have many patients with uh, that were HIV/AIDS positive, and organizing a program to raise awareness and do some prevention. It was not very easy. Yeah. And um, but at the same time, uh, since at the hospital there were only one or two local doctors when they were going on holidays, I was acting for the director of the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you know you do a little bit of everything there. Yeah. Uh, but um, and then uh, fortunately they signed the peace agreement after one year I was there mm -hmm. so again you see things changing and uh, it's very rewarding very you you have faith again trust again in human beings yeah <laughs> um, so did do you feel like you had influence to shape policy when you were working uh, closely with the Minister for Health in Mozambique? Well, you need to be a little bit... Um, you cannot be an accomplice. I mean, you cannot uh, just say yes to everything because you are a foreign. You, you, you need to show so certain principles and mm -hmm. you don't accept certain things that even if there are... The, the tradition there so you need to fight without of course with all the respect for 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 the different uh, cultural issues and understanding and being certainly not arrogant but mm -hmm. still if we were so lucky to live in other parts of, of the world where uh, our facilities were better and you learned something i don't see why you cannot uh, for instance, the corruption was something that for me has always been a horrible and acceptable thing. Mm -hmm. So, yes, yeah. sometimes you need to fight a little bit and be delicate but uh, persuasive and strong in the sense that you, you achieve and protect the health of the people. That sometimes, yes, I was confronted to the situations that were de very delicate. Yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. Um, and so you're from uh, Spain and you studied at UPMC right? um, in France and University of Geneva in Switzerland. How has your diverse educational background influenced your career? I always wanted to be an endocrinologist and that mm -hmm. is why I went to France and I enjoyed very much my specialization there. And I was very lucky and I thought that I would stay there forever. 
yeah. I do my my professional career until everything changed in my life. But uh, I think I've been very privileged to be able to go to very good universities and uh, very good hospitals to get training. But most of the, I mean, if you open your eyes and you open your mind, public health is something that you learn when you operate on a public health environment. Means mm -hmm. when you have minimum resources and you want to have maximum results, yeah. then you cannot keep treating a diarrhea on a child every three days. Yeah. But you invest on having access to safe water and convince people to wash their hands and to have okay. a waste management. And, and you start to do things that you never think that you will do, like waste management. So mm -hmm. we, yeah. I never thought that I would be able to plan something like that mm -hmm. or even understand the principles of waste management and uh, creating a system for, for collecting waste because these people were throwing everything away and, mm -hmm. and, and, and so it was a disaster on there or, or they will incinerate the waste. Yeah. So I was able to discuss with the mayor of Kigali at the time to, to, to put a system of change in the incineration of medical waste. I was uh, discussing with the those in charge of uh, urban uh, planning and the road safety to say the buses cannot accept more than 50 people because then it's, it's, it, the accidents were horrible and, and putting a minimum of safety criteria and uh, I was discussing with them as well about hand washing facilities in the markets, for instance, where they were selling fruits and, and, and meat. Mm -hmm. I was interfering a lot on the practices on where they were killing animals for, for eating and the food safety. So I was trying to infiltrate myself everywhere yeah. and to make sure that, uh, you know, the opportunities are there. But this is something that I learned obviously by on the books but as well by, by being open-minded and open your eyes and looking always for opportunities to maximize uh, public health mm -hmm. and then being conscious that as, as adopters or health professionals we cannot just keep dealing with diseases we need to deal with health mm -hmm. and health mm -hmm. is generated almost everywhere in any little thing that we do every day we are influencing our health yeah. for good or for bad um has being from spain sometimes been a barrier in your career i love communicate with people so yeah, i learned very quickly that if i wanted to communicate i needed to learn languages mm -hmm. <laughs> different yeah. languages so yeah. i learned portuguese when i was in mozambique i learned italian because i was working with Italian cooperation. Mm -hmm. I learned French because I did my studies in France mm -hmm. and I learned English because I understood that, that that was the language for communication. So no, language has never been a barrier for me. Mm -hmm. Of course, I would love to speak Chinese or Arabic or others, but no, has never been a, a barrier. I always use my hands to communicate if yeah. I couldn't communicate verbally. <laughs> Very and, Mediterranean. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there, are, there are incredible ways of communicating with people, even when you don't talk the same language. It's amazing. You need to physically approach the people, show them that you are close, even physically. Mm -hmm. This is something that I learned as well. With the children, you don't say hello and you give, you approach and mm -hmm. you touch. And it's so 
normally there is a, an immediate reaction to that, yes. Nice. Um, so with you having such an important role, especially working on such an international issue like climate change, how do you manage to have time for a personal life? <laughs> Which just uh-huh. seems like <laughs> just crazy. You know, this is, this is uh, it's possible. I think yeah. all the girls that are working with me and women, they, they, they always say, oh, you think I can be a good mom and a good professional and having a family and still have an interesting and rewarding work and I say of course yes mm-hmm. and not only you can dress up properly and you can be nice and, and you know take care of yourself yes you have time and, and you can definitely be all of that mm-hmm. if you're a woman even better because yeah. a woman can do as you know <laughs> anything. Yeah. so you can be a you can remember that the birthday of your father or your mother you can organize a family party you can do a, a, you know organize a, a something for your husband and no, you can do everything, okay. seriously. I think yeah. we need to move that uh, meat that for women, if we are good professionals, we need to be, we need to fail on our private life. No mm-hmm. way. No. No way. At the contrary, okay. the better you are on your private life, the better you can deliver on your professional life. Definitely. So kind of on the same lines, considering that half of women's contribution to global health is unpaid, how did you manage to achieve the position you hold today and what barriers did you face and how can Uh, we address this imbalance? You know, probably I'm very lucky that I was born in Europe, you know, in certain parts of the world where things are relatively easier for for women than it would be in other continents. Mm -hmm. But uh, essentially, I never wanted to see the barriers, I, or I, I never accepted the barriers. I never allowed anyone to put me any barrier. And uh, of course, I have some moments where you feel that uh, the credibility goes. Uh, if you if you enter in a, in, in a meeting room and there is a, a colleague, male, and myself probably the people will think that the director is the male colleague, not me, yeah. I mean, things like that. But uh, those are anecdotes. But we need to, every day, make sure that you do not promote those barriers because mm-hmm. sometimes we are ourselves kind of responsible huh? and we, we yeah, tend to maybe have more credibility if he's a male doctor instead of yeah. a male. <laughs> uh, or if we have children, we... we tend to pass certain messages of uh, giving more responsibility to the boys and the girls. So mm-hmm. we need to be very careful ourselves, or we put ourselves as women sometimes um, certain barriers, and then we don't uh, consider ourselves, uh, you know, I, I met a young man, 30 years old, mm-hmm. if you tell them you want to be a director, they will say, oh yes. Uh, <laughs> You tell that to a woman, I might tell you, ah, oh, no, I'm not yet prepared, no, I can't, move, no, I, you know, so somehow it's good because we, we don't have this certain arrogance, but uh, I think we are genetically manipulated to yeah. be less mm-hmm. confident on, on those high-level positions, but, you know, I, I will never allow anyone to put me a barrier because I will fight with all my my capacity against that and 
I think we need to focus as well our efforts on fighting against uh, gender issues on the mm-hmm. three at once. I mean, for me, the fact that genital feminine mutilation mm-hmm. still exists uh, that's something that makes me furious yeah. or 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 the fact that there are young girls that are married uh, mm-hmm. by force every day uh, and some people will tell you oh this is a cultural thing cultural yeah. excuse me this is no cultural this is an aggression this is a violation of human rights mm-hmm. this is unacceptable so for me, yes, education, education, and education, and, uh, and particularly in making sure that the women are the first one to be convinced that we deserve it. Okay, yeah. And that we do sense. not deserve more. We mm-hmm. deserve the same. Yeah. So I'm not claiming that I want more for me as a woman. And I don't like at all when I see few women taking advantage of that and saying, because I'm a woman, you need to give me more privilege. No way. Mm-hmm. This is very bad for us. This destroys our reputation. Yeah. I don't like at all when an incompetent woman is promoted. I think it's a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes Particularly sense. Particularly because we have plenty of competent, competent women, women, so yeah. please select the right one. Yeah. But, um, so I, I think it's a question of I, I want my rights exactly as the same as the human beings, mm-hmm. so I will fight for it. That makes sense. Um, and so women are increasingly like more vulnerable to climate change and the adverse effects mm-hmm. caused by the social determinants. Does your work take into consideration these discrepancies? Hmm. And it's interesting because I was reading now at the Madrid uh, COP, yeah. they have signed something on, on exactly on that. Mm-hmm. And I was very curious to see about why we said that we are more vulnerable. And in fact, one of the reasons why we are more vulnerable is because we are much more generous mm-hmm. in the sense that if there is a danger, the woman will remain behind because she will take care of her children or, or her family and she will be she will put herself on a, on a second level somehow our role as caregivers or the ones protecting the family is is the one putting us on more difficulty or the lack of education that will not allow you to have the capacity to take decisions and to move and to go to another area or things like that but my personal experience was uh, on, on gender, on, on this more vulnerable approach, it was uh, uh, in Rwanda after the, the mm-hmm. genocide when the, the refugees were coming back from uh, from from uh, Goma, the massive repatriation. Mm-hmm. We were having some medical assistant sentinel posts, and then we did some kind of dark epidemiology. I mean, we were just recording minimum things on pathologies or things like that. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that I realized at the end of each day that um, most of the medical issues or, uh, for which they were seeking treatment, they were male and, and children. And oh, I say, right. wow, it's interesting that mm-hmm. the women were not uh, affected. Well, it's not that. It's that they were prioritizing their children or their husband to go to the, the clinic and not themselves. Mm, yeah. So it's not that they didn't have an injury or a, a problem, you know. 
is that they they were the last ones to seek assistance because the priority for them was their family. So that was really very, for me, it was such a visualization of this vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, in fact, it was a good vulnerability. It was their selves that were putting themselves on this vulnerable situation to protect mm-hmm. their family. Yeah. And how do you think we can change that? I mean, it seems like it's a socially ingrained uh, thing. So, so yeah. many ways. <laughs> First, we need to be very, very uh, strong on our fight against this discrimination but we need to uh, focus i mean we need to uh, focus on things that will have a huge impact so Mm -hmm. maybe you know sometimes we we write papers very intellectually interesting but uh, those are addressed to high level class women Mm -hmm. i will until the day i don't see that the, the, the feminine genital mutilation stops uh, the, 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 the fact that there is forced marriage, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, girls are collecting wood and water for minimum three hours a day, yeah. and therefore they are not going to school. That's a very strong uh, way to, to empower women. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they have access to safe water and electricity, you and you will see that these three hours, they will go to school because they want to go to school, the mm-hmm. girls, they yeah. want to. They understand what means if they don't go to school. So I think we need to focus on those critical, basic uh, human rights issues for which many women around the world, and of course the fact that uh, half of the world population in women, they are still under, you know, uh, burka or things mm-hmm. like that, yeah. and they have no rights and they cannot go to the bank and open a bank account or they need to, to depend on their husband to, to have a minimum of legal value. Definitely. That is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Unacceptable. Yeah. And that will be my fight. Uh, and again, we need to be convinced ourselves and make sure that uh, uh, we support other women as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, because I guess then addressing education will then lead to them being less yeah, vulnerable to climate change. Or if you are in Sierra Leone and the law says that you are an adult when you reach the age of 18, mm-hmm. then by law you cannot accept, using the argument that it's a cultural thing, the fact that you marry a 13 years old girl with a 55 years old man mm-hmm. is yeah. legally impossible mm-hmm. or should be legally illegal. Yeah. So. Enforce legislation when there is no legislation, put legislation, and then access to safe water, sanitation, and uh, energy, and then the woman will take the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> <Maybe it's too laughs> optimistic, but I mean, at least focusing on where you will have impacts for millions. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, what are the biggest challenges you face when you suggest new policies um, in general? Well, you know, everything, because in fact, uh, public health is, is, is a non-controversial issue. I mean, everybody will agree with the need to protect people's health, to reduce mortality. But when you say, okay, in order to protect uh, people's health, we need to stop air pollution. And to stop air pollution, you need to stop using fossil fuels. Yeah. And you generate more enemies. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and if you say, 
And in order to reduce uh, mesothelioma, you need to stop use of asbestos. Mm-hmm. And in order to uh, stop obesity epidemic, you need to probably put taxes on sugar mm-hmm. and, and, and certain sodas. So obviously, this is uh, this is an art. I mean, the art of public health. Mm-hmm. Identify where you can have an impact and go for it, no matter what. Go for it. Obviously, always keeping in mind what the secondary effects are, because there are many issues that uh, you need to consider. So it's not just a being narrow and proposing a measure without keeping in mind the, the, the potential side effects. Yeah. It's like uh, treating a patient. You need to know that if you give them an, uh, uh, a drug to control hypertension, maybe you will create a secondary effect on their stomach or something like that. So you need to have a holistic approach always mm-hmm. and not be naive, but not being, um, uh, being courageous as well. So would you say that you found kind of like a window of opportunity by focusing on pollution? Because I saw at the Lancet countdown um, there was a big focus on pollution and the effects of that. Did you kind of like identify that as what could have the best outcomes? In fact, from 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 a public health point of view, what are we concerned about is the Burning, burning of fossil fuels. Mm-hmm, what causes a problem for the health of the people is the burning of fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. By coincidence, the burning, burning of fossil fuels are responsible for climate change mm-hmm. and are responsible for air pollution. So this is our enemy, oh, one of them, of course, we have that. Mm-hmm. In order to tackle that, uh, stop the combustion of fossil fuels, you need to invest in renewable energy, you need to have better transport systems, public transport systems, you need to look at the issue of uh, how you plan your cities, how you organize your your uh, commuting and you, that your need is on transport. So, And then little by little, you, you realize that you are putting all the things together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And the, 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 the sustainable food production and consumption, and then you say, okay, this is all basic public health yeah interesting yeah um and it seems like you've changed your career interests along the way from nutrition to infectious diseases and now climate change could you explain this in a bit more detail yeah, um, I, I i always thought that it was extremely connected for me it's all public health i mean mm-hmm, it's, it's looking at where can i have an impact mm-hmm. and uh, when i reached the, the, the environmental health I realized that, in fact, environmental health was connecting everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't have mm-hmm. access to safe water, of course you will have problems with infectious diseases. And if you don't have uh, uh, access to water, you will not have uh, food production and therefore nutrition is connected. If mm-hmm. you cannot walk in the streets in the city where you live, you will be obese. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not a big okay. change. It's, it's a kind of reaching a more, more, more holistic in the name of environmental health. But for me, it's the same battle. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. we need uh, better nutrition, uh, but it's all connected. We need uh, better cities, and mm-hmm. we need uh, the air we breathe. It has to be clean. The water we drink, it has to be clean. And the, the places where we live, they cannot uh, kill us in terms of uh, food uh, poison or things like that. So it's so much connected. Yeah. Nice. Um, and finally, what are three pieces of advice you would give a young woman wanting to start a career in global health, uh, public health? 
keep studying for the rest of your life, but mm -hmm. do it with uh, enjoyment. I mean, it's, it, don't do it as a task, as a burden, or enjoy it. Mm -hmm. and, and keep inform yourself and keep uh, educating yourself. But at the same time, start to look very closely, where can I put my liver? I mean, where can I put my, my contribution in order to have the highest possible impact? Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you can, you can move one little piece and then it costs an incredible impact mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes you do a small intervention and the impact is just on 10 people or 20 people all are important yeah. but ask yourself every morning every morning where can I have the highest possible impact with the minimum resources and the third as a woman mm -hmm. be happy be mm -hmm. conscious of the fantastic uh, uh, you know the fantastic uh, pieces that you have inside of you, you mm -hmm. as a woman you, you are generous, you can be attractive, you can be intelligent, you can be taking care of your family, you can be everything you want. Yeah. Be conscious of that and be conscious of your role and don't feel guilty every five minutes <laughs> as we tend to do as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we true. tend to feel guilty for everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't do my hair, I'm a disaster on um, food, I yeah. didn't prepare food uh, for my children, I didn't <laughs> collect him at school. We permanently feel guilty, don't feel guilty. And that yeah. is something that I learned um, recently, yeah, it's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not even recently, but it's something that it comes with time. But be happy, mm -hmm. don't forget that life is easy what is happening every day yeah it's, it's not something that will happen in 10 years it has to happen now as mm -hmm. well so be happy relax be conscious of how wonderful you can be and enjoy <laughs> okay, that's very inspiring <laughs> <laughs> yeah well oh, oh and another advice make sure you always have a group of good girlfriends <laughs> nice being together among girls is amazing yeah amazing That's amazing good. and it, nothing can substitute that yeah. uh, i mean it's very much needed independently of the life you have make sure you spend a weekend with three or four girlfriends yeah. and enjoy and that will give you a balance on your brain that is very much needed yeah definitely i hope everyone enjoyed this episode please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever app you use. That helps other people find us by raising us up in the rankings. It is one of the most helpful things you can do. While you're at it, please subscribe to the Women in Foreign Policy newsletter, which is available on our website. If anyone has any thoughts, anyone they'd be interested in us interviewing, whether as part of an episode series or as a one-off, please let us know. You can also follow our organization's Twitter at WomenInFP, and if the work we're doing means a lot to you, please consider supporting us via PayPal at Lucy Goulet, that's L-U-C-I-G-O-U-L-E-T, or on Patreon at Women in Foreign Policy. We are an all-volunteer team, so that means your support goes even further. We love the work we do, and we couldn't do it without listeners like you. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.